oral questions by members. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Up and down. Um, we've all watched with horror the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, and people across the province have attended rallies and actions in solidarity with its people. All British Columbians want to ensure that we are providing no comfort, no aid to Putin and his authoritarian regime. Halting the import and sale of Russian liquor products was a positive step, but we must continue to do whatever we can in British Columbia. This afternoon, the Government Pension Fund confirmed they continue to hold hundreds of millions of dollars of Russian state-owned corporations, and they have no plan to divest. So my question is to the Premier. Does he support this decision? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I, and I thank uh, very much the member's question. Uh, it has been uh, a traumatizing time for all citizens of the world. Uh, the events unfolding uh, in Central Europe uh, uh, between the, the, uh, the, the government of Russia and the people of Ukraine are appalling and unacceptable by any measure. And it is uh, one of those rare occasions when all 87 of us stand united in that regard. Uh, with respect to steps that we can take, we have already through um, suggestions from the other side, again, working collaboratively to find a way where we can, with common purpose, send a clear message from British Columbia uh, to Russia, have suspended the sale of uh, Russian products within our uh, government liquor stores. We've also put a million dollars in play in encouraging people to make contributions to the uh, Red Cross so that we can assist people in real time. I would also recommend, uh, if those ha people do have uh, disposable income, uh, that they look at the UN uh, High Commission on Refugees. We are going to have a refugee crisis in, in Europe, and we need to be part of that here in British Columbia. We welcome uh, people from around the world to Canada and to British Columbia, and I have said very clearly to the Prime Minister and his team, whatever steps we can take to assist with sanctions, whatever steps we can take to assist with um, resettlement, we are there as a group, all of us together, and all British Columbians speaking with one voice. With, with respect to uh, the BC investment uh, vehicles, uh, these are not directed by government. Uh, these are directed by trustees of pension funds. And those trustees uh, would have heard and seen and, uh, the horrors that are emerging from Ukraine. And I would hope that they would take their authority and uh, direct the, uh, the uh, finance uh, administration to take steps to divest. But it's not a call by government. But it is, I suggest, a call that British Columbians would want them to respond to. It's in the hands of those who make those decisions, and I'll leave it up to them to follow the ball and make the right choice. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano, supplemental. Uh, Mr. Speaker, thank you to the Premier. The sale of vodka is largely a symbolic gesture, and we're looking for real action. Um, the Minister does have a say, government does have a say, in the overall investment management framework and eligible investments of uh, the pension corporation. The Minister of Finance is the sole shareholder of the pension fund, and British Columbians are looking for transparency from this government. This is what we know. The inventory of holdings a year ago included over 100 million in shares of state-owned bank Smurbank, 84 million in Lookoil, 19 million in Gazprom, 
$32 million in Rosneft, which is the main supplier of oil for the Russian military. So again, to the Premier, does he support the public administration plan or the public pension plan holding investments in Russian state-owned enterprises? Honourable Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, again, uh, if the members on that side want uh, a briefing on how BCIMC works, I know that I could get one from the, minister, the member for uh, Abbotsford West, uh, the member for uh, Prince George uh, uh, Mount Robson, Prince George uh, McBride. Prince, thank you, Mackenzie. Prince George Mackenzie. Uh, and and uh, perhaps then we could have a, a more detailed discussion about what role uh, politicians should play in, in the management of pension funds, not just not on behalf of us, but on behalf of working people uh, throughout the province. I agree with the member and her inventory of those uh, funds that uh, BCIMC is invested in would not be choices I would make, certainly not today. But uh, the trustees have the authority and the ability to manage those issues, and I'll leave it up to them to do that. Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you very much. And as we uh, sit here today, a democratic country is being invaded. And uh, I appreciate the offer of a briefing from the Premier, but I do know this, that the Premier and his government have the opportunity to set the mandate, to have a conversation about what, uh, what the mandate looks like and what is acceptable. We're not suggesting that the Premier or the Minister are involved in specific transactions, but of course this government has a role to play. And I think there's something else all of us can agree on in this House, that no British Columbian wants their pension fund invested in fueling tanks and jets and artillery. That is unacceptable. We understand that there are protocols in place, but we also know that Europe has not seen an invasion of this severity since the Second World War. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. Other countries realize this. Norway's sovereign fund is divesting from Russia. Last week, Quebec's pension fund, Caste de Depot, sold their Russian-linked asset securities, saying, and I quote, as from today and for the future, we decided to sell, end quote. The Canada Pension Plan Investment Board says it has no holdings. So will the Premier at least take the steps necessary to make sure the mandate is clear? That is clearly within his purview, and it is time that he took that step. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and you'll get no quarrel from me, Member. Uh, the events that are unfolding in Europe right now are unprecedented in our lifetimes, and, and it needs to be stopped. And a message, a clear and united message from all Canadians has to go forward. The whole point of sanctions is not to divide us. It's to make with one voice a call to the international community to stand up to a brutal dictator. The federal government is primarily responsible for that. And I know all members will want to support the current government in every initiative that they put forward. With respect to how BCIMC manages its funds for its pensioners, I think that reviewing the discussion today will be clear direction that this is not something that any of us believe, but based on the clapping and based on the, the questions coming from the opposition and the responses, quite frankly, uh, from my colleagues when we discussed this, 
This is something we would want them to act upon. But we would not want to interfere in the a fund that is designed to protect trustees and pensioners. They have people elected to those positions that can make those calls, and I'm hopeful that they do. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, thank you very much, but the Premier, once again, misses the point. The Minister of Finance sets the mandate. The Minister of Finance actually sets the overall management framework and lays out eligible investments. And I don't think I need to repeat the fact that British Columbians do not want their pension funds fueling jets, tanks, and artillery. The Minister of Finance is the sole shareholder. She also appoints the chair, two of the directors who make up the board of directors, and she sets the mandate. Last week's budget devoted a significant number of pages to championing the values in ESG, environmental, social, and governance standards for investing. It is very hard to reconcile that while holding any investments in state-owned enterprises linked to Vladimir Putin. In light of the invasion of Ukraine, how does continuing to hold these investments fit with the social and government, uh, governance standards that were touted by this Minister of Finance just last week? Premier. Well, again, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the uh, enthusiasm with which the member puts the question, but it doesn't change the, the, the reality that we're living in, that those choices are made by people who are not in this House today. Have we made it clear? Certainly the uh, Leader of the Opposition has made it clear by the force of her questioning, and I would, I would hope that my response was equally forceful, that I would not make those investments were it my choice to make. There are trustees that are elected to protect the interests of pensioners. They make these choices. They would be aware of the debate. They would be aware of the international circumstances with which we are living right now. And I'm hopeful that they will make the right choice. Uh, wishing it were so, uh, like the member for Kamloops wants to do, is all well and good. But I don't believe it's our role to, to get and intervene in the uh, return for pensioners across this province. Do I agree with the member's question? Absolutely, 100%. Member for Saniton North and Islands. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And if uh, what we're doing in question period here today is indicating to the trustees that uh, this House is unanimous behind the call from the official opposition, uh, then uh, count the uh, BC Green Caucus as uh, making this House unanimous. This government uh, shows their priorities, Mr. Speaker, in how they spend the money. Um, in this budget, I'm looking to how this government is uh, meaningfully advancing reconciliation. In Budget 2022, we finally see this government reorganizing how ministries interact through the Declaration Act Secretariat. However, the $4 million per year to create the Secretariat appears to be just enough money uh, to administer and to pay the salaries of the staff that are in that Secretariat. So where is uh, the priority uh, in this budget for uh, action on reconciliation? Last summer, the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation published a 79-point action plan required in Section 4 of the Declaration Act. This action plan encompasses the work of every single one of uh, the Minister's colleagues. Mr. Speaker, the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation is responsible for uh, his colleagues in Cabinet to deliver on our commitments that we made to Indigenous people over two years ago. Uh, yet there doesn't appear to be any money in the budgets of, of uh, the ministries uh, for 
the actions laid out in the plan. So through you uh, to the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation, where is the money in this government's plan to finance progress on the DRIPA action plan? Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation. <laughs> Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to my colleague across the way for the question. We're very proud of the work that the Secretariat will do in implementing DRIPA, the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act. We've appointed as Associate Deputy Minister Sisikyaks, Jessica Wood, to serve in that historic role to lead the government's response to the alignment of our laws, both existing and new, with the Declaration commitments that are part of that Act. We believe that the money to do that, Mr. Speaker, will be found in the mandate plans for each and every ministry and their actions going forward. The action plan to which the honourable member referred will be before this House within the next few weeks. We're very proud of the concrete actions of that action plan that will make tangible difference to the lives of Indigenous peoples across this province. Member for Sandwich North and Island, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I thank uh, the Minister for his response. And uh, I think that it's important to acknowledge that uh, I also have an incredible amount of confidence uh, in Jessica Wood uh, in navigating the creation of the Declaration Act. Uh, Indigenous leaders like uh, the Union of BC Indian Chiefs President Grand Chief Stuart Phillip have been critical of the provincial government's uh, all talk and little action approach. Specifically, they've been calling for conservation financing, which would protect endangered species and build uh, economic opportunities uh, to logging endangered uh, old-growth forests, Mr. Speaker. In Budget 2022, there does not appear to be any money uh, set aside for conservation financing, even though last summer the federal government put more than $160 million on the table for uh, Indigenous protected and, co and conserved areas. This provincial government uh, has asked First Nations to pause the logging of old-growth forests, but hasn't given them any, funny, any, any funding to compensate uh, their lo potential losses. Budget 2022 uh, was an opportunity, uh, a missed opportunity to fix that mistake. Uh, the first item in the new Minister of Lands, Water and Resource Stewardship's mandate letter is to, quote, develop a path forward with First Nations to build a co-managed land and resource management regime that will ensure natural resources are managed effectively into the future, end quote. My question, Mr. Speaker, is through you to the new Minister of Lands, Water and Resource Stewardship. Will she act on the first item in her mandate and secure the desperately needed funds for conservation as was requested by Indigenous leaders in British Columbia? Minister of Land, Water then. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member opposite for the question. First of all, let me say I am incredibly proud to be asked to lead this new ministry, one that I will be working with my colleagues, with industry, with First Nations, uh, with communities to help transform the way we work with First Nations to seek environmental stewardship and conservation, economic sustainability, and most importantly, Mr. Speaker, true reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. We all want our natural resources sector to support reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. We know we seek the balance of environmental sustainability and economic benefits. 
Mr. Speaker, our government has been working towards these goals, but we know there have been huge changes in the way natural resource ministries have been set up, the way the sector has played out, and we have an incredible amount of work to do. I am very proud to be leading this ministry, very much looking forward to the work ahead. Look forward to more conversations with the member opposite in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Thank you. Member for Skeena. Mr. Speaker, if the BC government wants to get serious about the grave situation facing Europe and the world, there are options at its disposal. Today, two major energy companies, BP and Shell, have made the enormous decision to cancel their energy investments in Russia. Three billion dollars just for one company alone. Countries around the world are already taking active steps to address this threat. And they are doing that by accelerating LNG development and production. My question is to the Premier. Considering the extraordinary circumstances and the obvious need of Canadian allies, will this BC government accelerate LNG development to supply secure and ethical energy for the world? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I, again, I thank the uh, official opposition for focusing on these uh, extraordinary events that are uh, shaping not just today, but uh, uh, our future going forward. And there will be uh, upheaval in many, many sectors, as the uh, member uh, outlined. Certainly, energy security is now very much in, in, at risk in, in various parts of, of, of Europe, and indeed will have knock-on effects uh, here in British Columbia in terms of uh, the costs of, of supplies uh, to meet our needs, not so much on the natural gas side, because we have that in abundance, but on, on uh, refined products and so on, which again has been a topic of discussion in this House in previous weeks. So what I can say to the member is that British Columbia does have a, a storehouse of natural resources that have been uh, by and large there to benefit uh, British Columbians for many, many, many years. And it is our intention based on the plans that we've put forward to make sure that continues now and into the future, ensuring that we do so under the framework of a climate action plan that is world leading, or certainly North America leading. And I believe we need to do all of those things at the same time. Issues like Article 6, which was part and parcel of the Paris Accords, is critically important to getting other jurisdictions off more noxious forms of, of energy like coal and, and more, uh, more uh, carbon intensive natural gas. British Columbia can play a valuable role there, but the international community working in concert needs to come to a place where we can do that. And I'm hopeful that the, that the premise of the member's question was just that, that perhaps the international community in the current crisis will understand that we have more than just the ob obvious crisis of a, of a rogue uh, dictator uh, trampling on the rights of citizens of Ukraine, but also the consequences of climate change and a host of other initiatives that all of us collectively have to work on. Member for Skinner Supplemental. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the crux of the question was whether or not this government will actually accelerate the development of LNG projects here in BC. Because Russia's greatest lever is the threat of cutting, cutting off energy supplies to Europe, specifically LNG. And Russia isn't going anywhere soon. The global liquefied nat natural gas industry is already close producing its limits. They can't produce anymore. But here in BC, we have a huge source of clean, safe, ethical LNG. Clean LNG. Even the United States declares that our LNG is clean. 
Right now, on the books, for the last number of years, five years, NISC LNG, wood fiber LNG, Heisla's Cedar LNG, Chevron's KMLNG, which was recently bought by Enbridge, Skeena LNG, Totem LNG, Port Edward LNG, are all projects waiting for permits. Seven LNG projects in BC that are waiting for permits here in BC, all at a time when countries are crying out for a secure source of clean and ethical LNG. My question to the Premier, what is this BC government to do, doing to make sure BC is part of the solution in terms of energy needs for the world? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. One of the first things we did was put in place a framework for the largest private sector investment in Canadian history. I thought that... Uh, I thought that would have been apparent to the member whose constituency is benefiting from that. Uh, there's a range of other initiatives, Honourable Speaker, that we're working on with our international partners and the federal government to make sure that Canada and British Columbia have a key role to play in the economic and energy future, not just here in North America, not just... Uh, uh, in Asia, but indeed in Europe as well. Events uh, in Russia have uh, materially changed decisions for the, uh, the people of Germany, for example, who are now uh, host holding off on uh, decommissioning their nuclear capacity. And there's a range of other initiatives that governments and peoples are going to have to make as a result of the appalling behavior of, of Vladimir Putin. But I, I think, and I hope that the member's not leaning too hard in this direction. We started this question period together, 87 people. We need to continue to focus on the problem, and the problem is Vladimir Putin. Opposition House Leader. Oh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, with all due respect uh, to the Premier, uh, and I'm sure that he would agree with this uh, statement, the world has changed. It has changed dramatically in, in just the last uh, few weeks. And so the world is looking at British Columbia and wants to know if British Columbia is going to fast track the supply of safe, secure, and ethical natural gas to meet the needs of Germany and our other European allies. Against the backdrop of the brutal Russian invasion of, the Ukra of Ukraine, the German Chancellor made two very bold, significant moves in recent days. Germany halted the Nord Stream 2, a natural gas pipeline that directly links Russia and Germany. And Germany has accelerated work to build two of, of the world's largest LNG import terminals. Now, phase one of LNG Canada has a capacity of 2.1 billion cubic feet per day. Phase two would double that capacity to four liquefaction trains. Mr. Speaker, our allies in Europe are urgently looking for this safe and secure energy supply and we have those natural gas reserves here in British Columbia. So the simple question to the Premier is will he and his government set about to immediately fast track further capacity at LNG Canada? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. A final investment decision by the joint venture at LG Canada has not been made. Uh, if uh, the member and members are suggesting that we intervene uh, and take an equity share, uh, they should say so. Uh, there's nothing simple about what the member's uh, suggesting, and he knows that. The challenges in the international uh, community are stark, and they will be changing by the minute and by the day. 
So a declarative statement by the government of British Columbia on what our future energy plans are will not be helpful until we have a better understanding, first of all, where the private sector capital will be. And, and if it is uh, going to be flooding in, I look forward to that. Uh, I certainly was uh, excited about some of, the challenge, uh, some of the opportunities that were presented when we came into government. But over the past five years, we've discovered, as, as I'm sure most uh, people of the world have, that markets are, are unstable. The former administration in the United States, I think, relished uh, destabilizing uh, events. Uh, I, I see that there are, uh, I know that the people on the other side like to quote uh, uh, legislators in the United States. Apparently, a couple of them think that Canada needs to have uh, uh, a talking to as well, uh, based on uh, how we're trying to conduct our affairs here. So the world's a complex place. Is it going to get more complex? Yes, it is. But what we need to do together is to hold fast with the common values that Canadians have always brought to these situations. Yes. We band together, brothers and sisters in arms, to take on the real enemy, which is Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, look, we uh, are, are doing uh, and trying to reflect what so many British Columbians are, are saying, and that is they want their government to, to do everything it possibly can to send the strongest message possible to uh, Vladimir Putin and, the, and the, the, the Russian authoritarian regime that their actions in, in Ukraine are completely unacceptable and will not be tolerated. And so today, in question period, we've, we've actually suggested uh, two practical items, one involving the BC Investment Management Corporation, of which the, the government has, uh, the, the government sets the, the investment criteria and the, man, and, and the overall management framework. Perhaps it, it would be a, a, a more uh, productive and immediate action for the government to actually update that, uh, that investment management criteria and framework. And secondly, we're saying in, against the backdrop of significant reserves, natural gas reserves here in British Columbia, is the government prepared to step up and, and work with the private sector, work with these seven plus LNG uh, uh, projects to fast track them, to bring this, this secure, ethical uh, supply of natural gas from British Columbia online. Mr. Speaker, what immediate steps is this government taking to get these LNG projects built so that Germany and our other European allies can, can, can access that safe, reliable uh, supply of natural gas? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, L LNG Canada, oh, thanks for that. LNG Canada phase one uh, began in, in 2018. It's 2022 and it's not done. That's four years. The horizon for other investments of that kind would be of a similar duration, if not longer. Uh, and again, in many instances, uh, permits are not yet in place when I think of the inventory that the member for Skeena brought forward. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that the members on the other side want us to continue to uh, uh, certainly uh, ensure that we're protecting the, the public interest by regulating this, uh, this uh, resource to the best of our ability in the, in the interest of all British Columbians. Uh, we also uh, recognize and understand, and I thank the member for bringing us back to a place where useful suggestions are being put forward by the members on the other side, and we will certainly look at them. We have already looked at the BCIMC question and come to the conclusion that as it stands right now, the trustees and the, and the chief investment officers are the ones that make the decisions on to, when to invest or divest, and that's as it should be to protect 
They, they literally thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pensioners who depend on that, that income and th that revenue stream. But does that say, does that not give us the opportunity as legislators to stand with one voice and say we should divest? We've done that today, I think pretty categorically. And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that the trustees and the uh, management group, group will understand and reflect on our comments today. We also have a host of other initiatives that we're working on the federal government with, and over the course of the next number of days, I hope those will become uh, available for all of us to fully understand. But what we've said quite clearly to Ottawa, our national government responsible for international relations, is that British Columbians to a person stand ready to do what we can to assist the people of Ukraine and push back Vladimir Putin. And I, and I know that that's the, the sentiment and intent of the members on the other side. I don't want to make this about why are you not doing something. I know that's not the intent that's coming, but we need to watch that fine line because oftentimes the theatrics of this place sometimes put a curtain across the real intentions of all of us, which is to stand united against a foe that we've never seen in our lifetime. Member for Abbotsford West. Uh, thanks, Mr. Speaker. Well, it's not a day that uh, the opposition or I think anyone in this House wants to see characterized by uh, bickering uh, and, and negativity. And I probably am not the only uh, member of this chamber who is still staggering and staggered by the fact that we are using terms like allies and war and invasion uh, in circumstances that I don't think any of us thought we would be confronted by. And you know, British Columbians don't want their pension funds uh, helping to finance Russia's uh, invasion, and they are counting on the government to uh, ensure that that doesn't happen. And to the Premier's point, if the, the government and the Premier and the Minister require the granting of specific powers uh, to ensure that that uh, doesn't happen, I think this House is of a mind to grant them those powers quickly, uh, Mr. Speaker. You've heard people appreciate and support the symbolism uh, of the uh, decision to take Russian products off the shelf of our liquor stores, but the, the message we need to send to Vladimir Putin is not going to be delivered in an empty vodka bottle. It is going to be delivered by ships taking a, an alternative LNG energy supply to the countries in Europe that Mr. Putin is trying to hold hostage and trying to bully to look the other way while he conquers Ukraine. Other countries are stepping up. US, Australia, they are all increasing their LNG production. And every freedom-loving jurisdiction on the planet, no matter how big, no matter how small, can contribute to the defeat of Mr. Putin's description, uh, Mr. Putin's aggression. And we all know that this province is blessed with an abundant supply and the means to contribute in a significant way to permanently removing that energy club that Mr. Putin is waving in the face of European democracies. And what we are asking 
what we are signaling our support for is for the government to act boldly, to act decisively, to act immediately, to increase BC's LNG production capacity and demonstrate to the Ukraine, demonstrate to our allies, and demonstrate to the world that British Columbians and Canadians will do more than just talk. We will take active steps and remove the single biggest lever of intimidation that Vladimir Putin possesses, Mr. Speaker. And I hope the government will take that advice seriously. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I thank uh, the member for Abbotsford West for his uh, thoughtful intervention. And he and I have had discussions over now far too many years around issues like this, and um, we find ourselves increasingly of one mind. I think that might be frightening for him and his family. It certainly would be for mine. But nonetheless, <laughs> it, non nonetheless, it's, it's, a, it's the truth. In situations like this, uh, all of our character is tested. All of our uh, resolve needs to be on the line. And what so moved me over the weekend is tens of thousands of British Columbians coming out of their homes in communities right across the province and Canadians from coast to coast to coast speaking with one voice in a time of fractured politics and a time when we've never been so disunited in many, many ways. Just weeks ago, all of us were shaking our heads, concerned and questioning what had happened to the decency of Canadians that we were at each other. And now we have a common purpose, which is to stand together, regardless of our political perspective, regardless of where we come from, regardless of how we were brought up, and speak united with one voice against Vladimir Putin and his illegal attempted occupation of a sovereign state of Ukraine. That's where we're all at. And, I, and I, again, I want to thank the members for their questions today. We will certainly uh, be following up with BCIMC. It's absolutely clear the intention of the people in this House and those that we represent. But I want to caution that uh, I don't believe it's something that we should arbitrarily say as a response to a question-in-question question period that we're going to throw out the arm's-length relationship that currently exists. That's not to say we can't continue to use our influence on this side and on that side to make the message abundantly clear. When it comes to supplying energy, again, if we could do it tomorrow, that would be one thing, but we can't. The best efforts of British Columbians would not achieve what you're asking for in three, four, or five years. So instead, I think the better role for British Columbians to play is to say to the international community, we are all in this together. We have abundant opportunities to bring alternative energy online, to address climate change, and create economic and energy sovereignty for not just the people of Europe, but the people of Asia, the people of Canada, the people of North America. That's what we have at our disposal right now. Working together, responding to an international crisis, creates another opportunity to address the big international crisis that led to heat domes, people dying in hundreds from weather that we had never experienced before. We need to do all of those things at the same time. And I believe that there's enough confidence in the people in this House, all of us from our different places with our different backgrounds, that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can stand up to a dictator, we can stand up to climate change, we can stand up to an illicit drug supply, and we can have reconciliation as well if we focus on doing it together. And the intent of the questions today from the opposition did just that. And I thank you all very much for doing it in the way that you did. The balance question period.